welcome to our fourth U service video. My name is Colin Wolf, Assistant Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society in the City of New York. Thank you for joining us. What follows are selections from our service on June 13, 2021. The theme is celebrating the imagination. In this video, you will hear both the reading and the reflection. Our reflection was delivered by Senior Minister Reverend Skyler Vogel, and our reading was delivered by Worship Associate Rosalie Sanchez. This video will not include our usual post-service discussion, but look for a return of that segment in upcoming videos. You're invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week, posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, you're encouraged to give us a like, a share, or a subscribe. Thank you for watching, and we begin with our reading. reading today is a poem by Antonio Machado, one of the great Spanish poets of the 20th century. Machado was seen as having a spiritual and ethical emphasis and was labeled a poet of time and memory. Today's poem speaks to the power of dreams and imagination. Last night, as I was sleeping, I dreamt, marvelous error, that a spring was breaking out in my heart. I said, along which secret aqueduct, O water, are you coming to me? Water of a new life that I have never drunk. Last night, as I was sleeping, I dreamt, marvelous error, that a beehive here, that I had a beehive here inside my heart. And the golden bees were making white combs and sweet honey from my old failures. Last night, as I was sleeping, I dreamt, marvelous error, that a fiery sun was giving light inside my heart. It was fiery because I felt warm as from a hearth and sun because it gave light and brought tears to my eyes. Last night as I slept, I dreamt a marvelous error that it was God I had here inside my heart. Thank you, Rosalie. There's a story about a man who was hospitalized. Now, the hospital where he was in was small, so he found himself in a room with someone else. Only a curtain separated their beds and he was put closer to the door while the other man was further in. The two men got talking. Even though they're both, both bedridden and couldn't see each other, they spoke to pass the time. They talked about their illnesses and their surgeries and how they were feeling. They talked about their families and their children and their grandchildren. They talked about what they missed most 
and the quality of the hospital food. As their stay lengthened, it became clear that they were both seriously ill. They spoke about their desire to leave and go outside again and to feel the wind, to see the sun and hear the birds. They worried that they wouldn't. The man who was by the door missed the outside most of all, stuck as he was without even a window to look out of. As they both lay there one night when all else was quiet, he asked his neighbor to describe the view from his window. The neighbor told him he couldn't, but the man insisted. It would mean the world to me, he said. The neighbor was silent for a moment. Uncertainty seemed to linger in the air like he was making a decision. Then he began to speak, stilted and awkward at first, but gaining confidence as he continued. He described how he could see a great pine tree and how it was swaying in the breeze. He described how a light from somewhere, maybe a lamppost, revealed hundreds of tiny pine needles and how often at this time of night, the sparrows would come and rest in the branches. The next morning, the man asked again what was happening outside the window and the neighbor obliged. He described how the sun shone through the window how it came earlier and earlier now as winter was giving way to spring. He described how he could see the hospital lobby and all the staff coming and going, changing shifts, bringing in their coffee and getting out of their cars. The sparrows, he said, were most active then, fluttering about with the morning's energy. Later that afternoon, he described to the man the patients being wheeled out to the parking lot the families greeting them, being put into cars and taxis, full of joy and excitement to finally be going home. Children hugging their parents, spouses reunited, even one family dog brought along to celebrate their owner's return. The man listened to these stories and took them in. <clears throat> they nourished him, gave him hope, reminded him of a world beyond the catheters, IVs, and breathing tubes. It became a daily ritual. His neighbor describing what he saw outside, and the man letting the images and stories wash over him, forming in his mind all the life and activity happening around, even though he couldn't see it. This continued for weeks. Sometimes even though the man appreciated his neighbor, he couldn't help but feel a bit jealous. It didn't seem right that he had the window, even though all he did was get there first. The man tried not to get resentful, but it was hard. Then one day, the neighbor by the window began to cough. The man by the door called the nurses, and they came in. And the, but the coughing and the gasping continued until, in just one moment, it didn't. The nurses were quiet. The room was still. Within the hour, the neighbor was taken away, his bed empty and cleaned. The man by the door was shaken and he was sad. His friend had died so suddenly. He was alone for the first time in that room. And yet with a smidge of guilt, he also knew he was excited. 
because when the nurses visited him next, he would ask to move to where his neighbor had been. He would have that window. He would need someone else to tell him <coughs> about the world. He wouldn't feel trapped anymore. He could see all the trees and the birds and the sun, the doctors and nurses coming and going and the family celebrating. The nurses, when he asked about moving, seemed puzzled, but they were happy to oblige. They carried his things to the other side of the curtain. They helped the man sit up, carefully navigating the catheter, the IV and the breathing tubes. They helped him into a wheelchair and pushed him around the curtain to the other bed where his friend had laid for so many months. But as the man turned the corner, he couldn't believe what he saw. He blinked twice. <clears throat> he didn't understand how could this be, he thought to himself. Because on that far side of the room, far from the door where his friend had laid and told stories of an outside bursting with life and energy, the man saw that there was no window. There was only a wall, blank and empty. We don't know the man's reaction in that moment. We can imagine he first felt stunned and perhaps misled, even lied to. But I hope in hearing the story for the first time when I read it, that these feelings gave way quickly to gratitude and appreciation. His neighbor had given him a great gift, a gift of storytelling, a gift of a world that gives hope, a gift of memories and life continuing, a world not limited to catheters and IVs and breathing tubes. I've been thinking about this story a lot this last year, because at various times I felt like both these two men I felt like the man near the door, stuck inside, barely able <coughs> to leave our small space, neighborhood, hungry for a semblance of a world I could no longer access. Consuming whatever I could of the outside world, whether by watching Netflix or spending a lot more time on my PlayStation. But I've also felt like the man by the windowless wall. I know how I find myself more deeply embedded in my own mind, in my dreams, but also in my waking life, sinking into memories, daydreaming more intensely, giving myself permission to live in my mind the way I wish I could live with my body. Across the world, psychologists know this. They have documented their patients and reported a vast increase in vivid dreaming perhaps our collective subconscious seeking to offer something to compensate for the isolation or trying to help us process the strangeness of this moment at some deeper archetypal level. The pandemic has inspired new growth in our inner lives because our outer lives have been so restricted. It has taught me how much imagination is connected to emotional resiliency. Some might call a focus on imagination escapism. And certainly there's a time when we recede into ourselves to avoid something that we should face. But that is not what is happening with us right now or what has been happening with us the last year and a half. 
If anything, the pandemic has given us a much needed permission and excuse to nurture our inner lives in ways we couldn't before or felt like we couldn't, but out of necessity must now. Writer Ursula Le Guin said it well, yes, fantasy is escapist and that is its glory. If a soldier is imprisoned by the enemy, don't we consider it his duty to escape? We value the freedom of mind and soul for partisans of liberty, then it's our plain duty to escape and to take as many people with us as we can. Imagination is a tool of survival and freedom and liberation. It was used by the ancient Israelites who after centuries of oppression by one empire after another, imagine for the first time in Western history, an afterlife, not of drudgery and blandness, but of happiness, joy, and justice. They invented heaven. It is the, the person we think about imagining traveling for asylum, feeling the spirits of their ancestors around them, giving them the strength to carry on to safety and a new home. Someone is using their inner life if they are dying. Someone like my grandmother, who when she was in hospice her last few months, spent her time remembering all the people she had known in her life, allowing herself the blessing of sinking deeper into the realm of memory. Being able to condemn escapism is a privilege for those who have nothing to escape. Those of us who do, which is a lot of us, should feel the freedom of its gifts. And we know it's not just for survival. We know it's also for joy. It's the joy of memory that connects us to people long gone. It's the joy of inhabiting worlds that do not exist, places we cannot visit, hopes that cannot yet be realized. It's a chance to play with nothing other than the thoughts in our heads. We as a country are entering into a time when things are returning to normal for many of us. Many of us are vaccinated, others are preparing for summer vacations and trips, and still others are reuniting with family and friends. And yet as our exterior life resumes, we risk forgetting the power we've discovered from our inner life. The truth is that this pandemic is not the last time that we will need our imagination, not the last time we will need to practice the spiritual art of escapism. All of us will be in the hospital room someday, sometimes without windows, someplace like it, left with little but our thoughts, our memories, and our feelings. All of us will know again isolation and hopelessness, uncertainty and fear, pandemic or no. As we move into this summer, I wish you the continued gift of going inward. I wish you all the vividness that you can conjure. I wish you the courage to not fill the void in your life carelessly with things or busyness or activity now that you can but retain space for your creativity and fantasies. Most of all, may you keep seeing windows even when there are only walls. There is such freedom and joy there if we can. May it be so.
and amen.